for you. And back coming up next up. All right, and now I'd like to bring to you hashtag to be HIV with Dr. Allison Matthews. Dr. Matthews, Hi. how are you doing today? Hey. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, coming on the show today and telling us about your movement that is making waves on the internet. Tell <laughs> us what is. Well, thanks hashtag for calling it a movement. Oh, I think it's a great movie. Yeah. I'm trying to get my Charlotte people on it, and they, they, they're, they're laying. But I'm telling them, I say, you better get on this bandwagon because this is it. If, this, if, if we're not going to speak about HIV any other time, this is the time to speak about it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, the Two-Bit HIV Project is um, housed at UNC Chapel Hill, and we're in the Institute for Global Health and Infectious Disease, and we're trying to do community engagement better. Um, around HIV peer research. So we're just trying to raise awareness about the the type of research that's happening at UNC. We're actually a global hub, one of the few places in the world that's doing this type of research. And, you know, I was tasked with trying to think of creative ways to get people involved in talking about HIV cure and what it means to them and how how we can really think creatively and work together to develop solutions for, um, you know, getting people involved and thinking about how we can move towards a world without HIV. Indeed, indeed. How did such a movement begin? Well, I, a big part of it is the fact that I was hired as a, a researcher for this project, um, the so the project is a it's a larger project funded by the NIH that is trying to look at some of the social and ethical issues related to you know doing clinical trials and and thinking about how to develop um, technology and medication that is useful for um, the community. Um, I think part of the reason why we we decided to do the Two B HIV project was because in the past, you if you think about like there's been um, kind of a lot of abuses of research in communities and especially in Black and Brown communities. You mm-hmm. think about the Tuskegee project, Tuskegee syphilis um, study, and and even you know abuses against Black and Latino women. Um, in North Carolina, they just had a a lawsuit that was settled around, you know, giving women um, hysterectomies. And so these types of, that history, people don't forget that. You know, we know that there's kind of this need to build trust to address a lot of the issues in the community. And so that's why we're doing this community engagement. One is to kind of address those issues and build trust but to, and give information but also to, like, give community members the opportunity to, I guess, have an ownership over this type of research. Indeed, indeed. That's good stuff. Thank you, um, Dr. Matthews. <laughs> um, has, has HIV personally impacted you? Um. My, I have an older cousin. I actually never met him, but I have an older cousin who died of HIV. Uh, and um, but I've I've been involved in HIV since I was in college. I did a lot of research and just met a lot of people who were positive. 
And, you know, I think the, the biggest impact for me is knowing that this is a symptom of a larger problem that I see, you know, we we don't have, you know, as people of color, we need to have better access to health care and education and employment and safety and HIV ends up being one of those things that we get we get at risk for because we don't have the resources to protect ourselves. So that's that's how it impacts me. That's why I care about it. Right. <clears throat> in your opinion, based on your research and your involvement, what do you think needs to be done in order to reduce the um, impact that HIV has on the black and brown community? Well, you know, I think that um, that's that's a part of what this this project is about. The Two Beat HIV Project is really trying to get community members. I'd I'd rather not like go into communities and say, "Hey, you know, I just I think this is what's wrong with the community, and this is what needs to be done." Um, rather than doing that, you know, which is traditionally how research is done, um, this project is about getting community members to come up with the solutions that are relevant for our communities, right? So I just had this um, conversation yesterday with this man, Mr. Anthony, who um, is a construction worker in Durham, and he just started coming to some meetings uh, and just started getting interested in learning more about HIV and research. And he was just saying, like, he's an ex-con, and he was saying, like, this, you know, uh, people don't know that there's a pill now called PrEP that you can use as a way to prevent yourself from getting HIV and a way to, you know, and prevent people who are positive from passing Mm -hmm. it on to partners. So, like, this type of information needs to be out there and popular, you know, like just as popular as, you know, the Viagra pill. You know, people should know that you can take this medication. But beyond that, like, there's a lot of, I guess, um, work that needs to be done in our communities to to get people to even talk about this stuff because we I know think, that. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say um, I think it's like a double-edged sword because it's like people want to take the stigma away from it so that mm-hmm. people aren't scared to death as soon as they hear you're HIV positive, that's a death sentence, or this is what you're going to be dealing with. But then it's like you also want to make it scary enough that people don't create new cases too, you know. And it seems like whenever people pass away, like I I can recall someone that I know um, passed away from, he passed away from the virus. I I honestly don't know what he had because he never said um, right. But it was it was like when he passed away, oh, he died of natural causes or, like, he died of cancer. Like, that mm-hmm. was put on it, too, instead of, like, putting real meaning to his life and shedding light on what exactly was going on with his health, you know. And that's how I've personally been impacted. And it's a shame. I'd rather rem- – I remember him as the person, not the guy who died of AIDS, right. you know. And, and it's just like – if that was the case, then I think his life would have had more meaning because people beyond me would remember him, you know, as being like, this is what, this is how this should be handled. Like, it should just be more light on it instead of trying to hide it or sweep it under the rug, so to speak. Well, I love what you just said about, you know, knowing and remembering the person for who they are rather than 
the the person with the disease. Like people who are HIV positive, it's not really a death sentence per se anymore. People are still dying right. from the disease, but now with medication, you know, you can get your viral load down to undetectable and not pass it on and live just as long as anybody who didn't have the disease. But they, so that's part of the reason why we actually think that we can get a cure, you know, is, is moving that the, the medication is so advanced now that we're actually making headway. Um, but yeah, focusing on rather than the stigma around it, focusing on who people, People are our family members, our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, and and that's why we should care and do something about it. I noticed too, like it's a there's a lot of politics involved because I'm sure, you know, involved in um, how these drugs are being made as far as the pharmaceutical industry is concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about I watched this documentary called Fire in the Blood recently, mm-hmm. and um, they touched a lot about. Um, about the patents that different countries hold, um, and India started making head, headway with uh, reducing, you know, new cases because they started packaging their own drugs. And so the fact that depending on where you live depends on whether or not whether or not you live or die, or what kind yeah. of treatment you get, and your experience is going to be completely different. Was very disturbing to me. Um, especially because there's like a concentrated amount of new cases in different countries compared to here, just um, based on people's ignorance and not understanding how the disease works and how it actually spreads. Um, and that was that was very that was very disheartening. And it, I know there's a lot of things to touch on. It is like a lot of spins that you could put on it. But as far as the politics go, um, have you like been following? what it is that our government is doing to help reduce the new cases? Are they pretty much on the side of pharmaceutical companies where enterprising-wise they're going to get their money? Right. Well, um, I think that there is, it's, it's kind of both and. So um, on the one hand, that there's been a huge push by the White House um, to, you know, increase funding in the United States to try to, move toward, you know, I guess raising awareness about prevention and get gaining, increasing access to the medication and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and on the other hand, and also funding, you know, increasing funding for the research, for the clinical trials and that kind of thing. On the other hand, there's, um, and I want to be careful about this, but there's <laughs> pharmaceutical companies that they provide the medication um, and oftentimes you can get it for free, uh, depending on your income and that kind of thing, and going through the Ryan White project. And uh, and if you have 500% of, of the federal poverty guidelines, you can actually access medication for free for, through the pharmaceutical companies or by participating in clinical trials. But the mm-hmm. issue is that that medication is very expensive if you don't, or if you're not able to find those programs. And, um, you know, depending on what part of the world you're in, that medication is not even available yet. So, like, Sub-Saharan Africa has nearly, uh, it's over 20 million cases of HIV, but there's no PrEP available. Like, that pill that you can take to prevent from getting HIV is not available yet in that part of the world. But it is available here. Actually, the U.S. is the only country 
that is FDA approved to provide PrEP. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's this kind of balance that we have to uh, really take into, uh, I guess, consideration. I don't know. Have y'all heard about, did you hear about the guy who who was like an entrepreneur and he owned a patent to one of the pills that's being used to treat HIV and he raised it, the price of the pill? Um, no. Well, okay. So I, um, when I was watching the the same documentary um, earlier, Bond the Blood, they talked about like the patent on AZT. I forget which drug company originally owned it. But basically, yeah. like he took like a 20-year patent and doubled its time because like he waited 20 years for it to technically be used to treat HIV. So, and then he said like, oh, you have to use it AZT with this drug in order for it to treat HIV. Um, so it basically well, he, he spanned it. But no, is that not the same situation? Or yeah, that's situation? what I was. Well, I, that's what I was talking about. But so what happened was. They were using the drug for another disease, and mm-hmm. it's been out for a long time. And then through right. research, clinical trials, we discovered that hey, this is this drug is actually also useful for treating HIV. And so mm-hmm. he found out he found that out, and he was like, oh well, since it has a new use, um, I can raise the price of the drug because you're being you're using the drug for mm-hmm. a different purpose. Which actually then it was originally patented for. Time. Yeah, it's right. not anything through, just like you you use Botox for your skin, and then now they use it for migraines. It's the same thing. Uh, they change, you know, they market it differently, and then they raise the price. Um, but what what I think is important is that community members are the ones who found out about it. They got mad about it, and they raised their voice, and they said, no, this is not okay. And it got into the news, and that's that's how we know about it, right? So, like, mm-hmm. everybody, people keep asking me when they ask about the project, like, well, I don't feel like I can do anything about HIV or finding a cure. I'm not a scientist, and I don't know anything about HIV. But have, raising our voice to say something about these, these issues, these politics, and, um, you know, it does have an impact, and it does shape how pharmaceutical companies approach, you know, providing medication. It shapes how universities do the research that they do to protect participants. And so mm-hmm. that's why, this, that's why you know, it's important for us to actually, like, start having these conversations to talk about, you know, how do we do this better. Psychologically speaking, like, I, I'm really, like, trying to put myself in somebody's shoes. Like, if I found out I was mm-hmm. HIV positive, like, what what is the next step? Because what really bothers me out of all of these cases are the ones who are really cuckoo crazy and then go on to consciously infect other people. So is there uh, yeah. um, is that part of the the treatment as well as far as like resources go? Um, is it like are they getting psychological treatment? Because I know, um, well from what I know of, there's like a registry. Um, and or I, I guess like they right. really have to say like okay this is the date I was declared so anybody after that they have to have that information disclosed to them. Um, but as far as yeah as far as psychological treatment goes is that part of the treatment process as well? Yeah. So uh, let me just start off with the, the even the process of getting tested. You you go in you find a clinic or wherever you get tested. 
and then they're immediately supposed to give you counseling right then and there. Um, and okay. then we're, the Durham County Health Department or wherever gets a log of whoever tests positive. So they have okay. a list. It is not public um, okay. for very many, for, you know, safety reasons. People, it's it's still Retali- Retaliation. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's not public, but we have a list, and, and and they keep they keep track of it, and then they ask the person to you know list their sexual partners within the last year or within the lifetime, so they can contact them and let them know that this person tested positive. Let's get you in to get tested just to make sure that you're not positive. Um, and there there are laws on the books that say that people are not allowed to purposefully you know infect someone else. But I guess mm-hmm. the the issue that we have to tread lightly on is that, you know, the it can be confusing and I guess potentially harmful to criminalize people for being sick, and um, and so we have to also think about like if we can get them into medication. It, as soon as possible after they're exposed to HIV and and they find out that they're positive, we actually are starting to think that um, that is the best time to be able to treat people to get their viral load down and to even eventually be able to cure them of the disease because the virus replicates really, really fast once you get infected. Mm-hmm. If you can get them as early as possible, then we can stop the virus from replicating in the body and passing it on to other people. Okay. So that's where we're going with cure research and it's it's pretty cool. Um but yeah, we have to be we have to be very mindful of all of those issues. Where does where does North Carolina stand on um uh as far as like whether I mean is it does that vary from state to state or is that a federal thing as far as um affecting people? Uh yeah, it varies from state to state. North Carolina does have a law that um, says that if you purposefully infect someone, so I think that there's also that the issue of intent, right? So like you right. just like so somebody could get infected or you could accidentally infect someone, but that you also have to approve intent for that. So right. there's that fine line there. Um, but yeah, they do have that law on the books in North Carolina. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of like the dentist that made the headlines recently, the one who like poked holes in condoms and. Uh, you know, right. you know, definitely was asked straight up, like, are you infected? And he said no, you know, that guy. It's like I'm thinking about cuckoo crazies like that, not like, oh, like, I just forgot to tell you kind of thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I think part of the reason why people may do that purposefully is maybe because they're mad or they think that they're going to, you know, somebody infected them and so they want to retaliate right. in some way. Not saying right. that it's justified, but no, if not we at can all. get information out saying, you know, this is not a death sentence and there's actually a way for you to be treated and, and live a life that is full and long, then maybe we could stop people from doing that too. Nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> How can our listeners get involved with movements that matter, such as hashtag to beat HIV? Well, there's 
um, we're we're actually hosting uh, a few events throughout the year that are coming up, um, and I've partnered with a lot of uh, community-based organizations and event spaces and uh, different types of businesses in the in the area in North Carolina. Um, so the uh, first event that's happening is for World AIDS Day. It's December 1st. We're meeting in this is with in partnership with the Partnership for Healthy Durham and the Durham County Health Department. Um, with and we're going to be doing free HIV testing with Triangle Empowerment Center, and then um, also it's also in partnership with the LGBTQ Center of Durham, which is brand spanking new. They just opened like two months ago, so we're meeting mm-hmm. December first, four thirty, CCB Plaza, and then walking over to the LGBTQ Center to kind of just hang out, fellowship, meet each other, and talk about and memorialize people who have passed from the disease. Um, But then on December 14th, um, partnering with uh, Angel Dozier, who is the founder of a a program called ESET Excelsior, and we're doing this uh, event called The Experiment with Beats and Music. And so we're having um, Charlotte Ammons and Median, uh, who are two hip-hop artists, and also Nina Uklu, who's a singer. They're going to be performing at BU Cafe on December 14th at 6.30. And so part of that uh, event is that we're, we're trying to get community members to come attend, do a workshop where you can learn about HIV cure research, and then kind of create music like doing lyrics and beats and creating a song that reflects on what HIV cure means to them and how we can address it in the community. That's dope. That's dope. Tag me to a flyer, um, Allison. I need to hear more about that. Okay. Yeah, I will. I'm trying not to like over talk you all. <laughs> so, but you know, there's a bunch of events that are going on. I can definitely share all of the events that are happening. All right, all right. Well, let, one last question. Unless we have a question. I have a question. Oh, go ahead, Charles. Right. That's a um, real important question. I was just wanted to know whether or not you watch reality TV. Yes, I do. <laughs> Why? Oh, no, I was, I was just asking. Um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's the soundboard at? Where is the soundboard? <laughs> <laughs> I probably, I think my favorite show is The Guilty Pleasure. It's the uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta. So talk about it. Talk about oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think I have to read a lot, and I love to just zone out. <laughs> um, tell people how to follow your movement on social media, please. Okay, yeah, so we're on Twitter, 2BHIV, um, the number 2BHIV, Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash 2BHIV. We're also on Snapchat, 2BHIV. <laughs> um, and you can also, if you have any more questions or concerns, you can go to our website, um, which is 2BHIV.org. And on that website, we're actually asking people to submit their videos and photos reflecting on what HIV cure means to them. The deadline is December 1st. And winners can um, 
have the opportunity to win a night stay at the Durham Hotel um, or a $75 gift certificate to Pizzeria Toro. Oh, wow. Cool. That's dope. Yeah, thank you so much, y'all, for for having me on the show. Thank you. Thanks for answering our questions. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. And now we're going to play Stepping Stone by today's featured artist, Brittany Crush. Spirit never fails, it arises. Trials and tribulations seem so timeless. Appreciation of life, they say, is priceless. But situations we see right through our eyelids. What I did and what you do. Love me or leave me alone, my borrowed time is used. Try to be humble as my first home. Everybody just cut throat is for the throne. Force me on my Mel Gibson, man, listen. If you can't stand it, he get out the damn kitchen. New pup flare, old dog trick. No ideas is original, they say hope. As I tread my waters carefully, release the therapy. Always looking for clarity and what's prepared for me. God bless the child who can hold his own. Who wanna take it there with me like a Fallujah zone? Sound like a tuba blown. With social measurements, I'm moving strong. My footprints in the sand, man, I'm not alone. You might need a clone. Matter of fact, I can watch the throne. And both of y'all be my stepping stone. One. This policy is valid from January 4th, 2019. This podcast is a personal podcast written and edited by F. Christopher Blue and his conglomerates at morethantherapy.org. For questions about this podcast, please contact staff at morethantherapy.org. The podcast accepts form of cash advertising, sponsorship, paid insertions, or other forms of compensation. The compensation received may influence the advertising content, topics, or posts made in this podcast. That content, advertising space, or post may not always be identified as paid or sponsored content. 
The owners of this podcast is compensated to provide opinion on products, services, websites, and various other topics. Even though the owners of this podcast receives compensation for our post or advertisements, we always give our honest opinions, findings, beliefs, or experiences on those topics or products. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are purely the podcast's own. Any product claim, statistic, quote, or other representation about a product or service should be verified with the manufacturer, provider, or party in question. This podcast does not contain any content which might present a conflict of interest.